Beware of practicing your righteousness for other people in order to be seen by them, for then you will have no reward from your Father who's in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who's in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received the reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who's in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Lord, as we hear these words from the gospel, as we hear the words of Joel, and we hear you speaking to us the matters of the heart, I pray, Lord, that you would speak to each of us where we are, and that we could hear uh, your holy invitation as an invitation of grace into this season of Lent, not for the sake of beating ourselves up, but for the sake of opening up space in ourselves to receive more of you and to know you more deeply. And I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart would be pleasing to you, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. Welcome. A few years ago, I woke up one morning and noticed that my hand was tingling and I started, you know, massaging my hand, thinking the problem was here. And turns out it wasn't. It was kind of a stressful season in life, and I probably was sleeping wrong on my neck and all sorts of things. But I went to a therapeutic masseuse, and she found a knot in my shoulder. It was under my shoulder blade. And she had to work pretty hard to get in there and dig out that knot. And it turns out that's what was causing the tingling in my hand. I thought the problem was here. But the problem was all the way up here. In these readings, we hear, and in the liturgy, we hear God addressing the heart of his people and calling their hearts back to him. And like the hand and the arm example, the matters of the heart are the most upstream issues of our lives. <laughs> that we do things in the world and we try to maybe change that behavior, but often we have to get upstream of them. We have to figure out what the source is, where that's radiating from. We can't just rub our hand. We have to find out where it's coming from. And that is what the season of Lent is an invitation to, that God invites us in in his grace to sort of map our hearts with him. And the question that he's asking us is the question of motivation, which is all about Motivation is what Jesus is talking about when he's talking about fasting, praying, and giving alms in this gospel reading. 
the assumption in this reading is that people who follow in the way of Jesus will fast, pray, and give alms. Jesus says, when you fast, when you pray, when you give alms. It's not a question of if, but when you do these things, what is actually going on? What is your motivation? And Jesus sums up all he has to say in this passage with that wonderful phrase, where your treasure is, there your heart will be. That what we value helps us map what's going on in our hearts in terms of our motivations. When Jesus speaks about the heart in this way, he's standing in the prophetic tradition of Israel along with Joel, which was our first reading. Joel tells us and the people of God to rend our hearts, not our garments. Go inward, not outward. That's a very vivid image, rending the heart. But he's speaking to the same dynamic, that there's a way to be in the world that's disconnected from what's really going on inside. And Jesus is saying, I want those things to be perfectly aligned. And so is Joel. And the prophets of Israel in the, in the Hebraic way of thinking, the heart is not just the seat of the emotions. In the West, we sort of divide the heart and the head from each other. But a Hebrew prophet, and Jesus as a Hebrew prophet, would never think that way. Because in the Hebrew sense, the heart is a unity of the volitional, the cognitive, and the affective. So your will, that's the volitional. The cognitive thoughts and the affective, which is what we would associate primarily with the emotional life. The emotional life and the reasoning life are brought together in this understanding of the heart. So when Joel addresses the heart, and when Jesus addresses the heart and says where your treasure is, there your heart will be, have all of that in mind. This is, the other way to put it is that this is all about the why question. Why do we do the things that we do? What is the motivation? And that is a Lent question, the question of motivation. Why am I doing what, am I, what I'm doing? Not just what I'm doing, but why am I doing it? And the invitation for us is to ask God from a place of honesty and vulnerability in prayer, God, where is my treasure? What am I valuing right now? Where is my heart? Even more simply, asking God, what is it that's motivating me right now? So praying, fasting, almsgiving, these are all very important practices. They've always been um, right at the center of the Christian spiritual life. But Jesus is warning us and reminding us that every one of those things can be done in a way that seeks for attention and recognition and some sense of superiority. I'm gonna pray in the streets to be recognized as a spiritual person. We can all think of times when we've been tempted to do that or have done that or maybe we know people like that. Tempted to broadcast to the world that we are sacrificing something that we disfigure our faces or whatever, saying, you know, I'm really suffering in this fasting. And Jesus says, there's a reward in that, but there's also a deeper and better reward. Because in each instance, he says, the Father has something better for you than the recognition of people in the streets, than the idea that someone would think that you're spiritual. The Father who sees in secret will reward you. The Father who sees in secret will reward you when you go into this place of the heart and pray. When you go into the place of the heart 
in the spirit of fasting. And when it says, when Jesus says that he sees in secret, he will reward you, this is not a shameful secret. This is not like secret knowledge. This is the secret of intimacy, of connection with God and the Father. It's a place of, of hiddenness. It's something about the interior life. It's about the heart. So my question for myself and for us as we enter into Lent is this. Can we see this season as an invitation from the Father to join him in that secret place? And to see these practices, prayer, fasting, giving alms, as a means by which we meet with the Father in that place of intimacy, in that place where he says he will reward us. Heard in that light when Jesus says, don't lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, or do not lay up for your treasures on earth, but lay up treasures in heaven. He's talking about a relational connection, the relational treasure of knowing and being known by God. Throughout the Christian tradition, there have been uh, what I would call great cartographers of the heart, people who understand motivation, people who ask the why question incessantly. They're not obsessed with what they're doing, they're obsessed with why they're doing it. And one of these great cartographers, and probably the paradigm for all the people who follow them, is Augustine and his book, his great book, The Confessions. That book is a map of his heart offered to God in prayer. And late in the book, in book 10, he prays this to God. Late have I loved you, O beauty, ever old, ever new. Late have I loved you. You were within me and I was outside myself. And it was there outside myself that I sought you. I rushed upon the beautiful things you, were, you have made. You were with me, but I was not with you. He spends so much of the first part of the confessions talking about the world out here, seeking for things that would satisfy him, seeking for connection. And all the time he forgot that God was within him, that in that place of intimacy, that's where God was inviting to meet with Augustine. And you can see these in the great conversion stories, whether it's um, a person that you know, whether it's your own story, the book of Confessions, um, Thomas Merton's Seven Story Mountain, uh, people who have looked for, and this is what it is to be human, to look for our satisfaction out here when the invitation is to find our satisfaction with God in the secret place. Your father who sees you in secret will reward you. So when you fast, when you pray, when you give alms, remember that. Again, the invitation is to go into that place of hiddenness, that place of intimacy into the heart and expecting that God the father will meet us there and expecting that he is our reward, that he invites us into that place, not as a way to beat us up, not as a way to shame us, but as a way to open ourselves more deeply to him so that he can have more of us and that we can have more of him. So I want you to remember this phrase, that you would ask God for the grace to see your own motivations and to better understand the rhythms of your own heart. Often, uh, well, 
if we saw all of our motivations laid bare in an instant, none of us could bear it. <laughs> and that's not how God operates. He is patient. He takes his time. But there's something that happens when we say, I'm ready. I want to open these places up to you, God. I want you to help me map my own heart. So there is a practical dimension to this, which comes down to the question, what am I gonna give up for Lent? (laughs) Maybe you've thought about it. Maybe you haven't thought about it at all. Maybe you've never done that. And I'm not going to prescribe any shoulds. I'm actually gonna ask you to do something much harder. I want you to ask God what he has for you in this season. What is he inviting you into? Practically speaking, and Dave mentioned this a few weeks ago in a sermon, and I know a lot of people have started using this app, Alexio 365. It's a prayer and meditation app, about 10 to 12 minutes a day. That's something practical that you could do. You could commit to studying uh, a book of the Bible over the next 40 days. Um, Here's one where you can do all three at once. Fast, pray, and give alms. You can commit to giving up a meal a week. And in that time when you would be eating, you instead you pray, and then you set aside that money that you would have spent on your meal before. There's a three for one deal. But I'm not saying that you sh- anybody should do that. I'm saying that that is a way. I'm saying that that is something that God might be inviting you into. I don't want to play the interior life against the exterior life. Christians are called to a place of tension where we are contemplative people who are moving into the world in action out of the basis of our intimacy with God. Um, Some of the great mystics who also loved the poor very well had deep, deep, deep contemplative spiritual lives. And what they will tell you to a person is that by learning to look at the face of Christ, they learn to encounter the face of the Christ in the poor. But it took being in the presence of God to know because it's not always obvious when you're in the midst of the hard things, in the midst of suffering, that you actually are in the presence of Christ. I'm trying to say what I believe Jesus is saying is that all of our doing must proceed from our being and that the why always fuels the what. So the question is, what's the why? And like I said, I'm asking you to do something that might be a little bit harder. It's to ask God, what, what is he inviting you into this season? Now, maybe it is no Twitter, no chocolate, Lent done. Maybe it is no meat, whatever. Those are all, all great things. And honestly, sometimes the what of the fasting is almost incidental because it's really about the posture of saying, God, I'm willing to lay something down, not so that I can prove that I'm spiritual because I wanna turn down the volume in my life so that I can hear you speak more. And when we say no to our appetites, there's something about the way that we're created in the image of God that when we say no to our appetites that our spiritual antenna kind of go up. There's just something about that. I can't really explain it, but fasting is this place where God has consistently met with his people. So if you've never fasted before, maybe this is the the Lent to try it. But what we're gonna do now is actually pray and ask. That's what I'm inviting you to do, to ask for the grace 
from God to see your own motivations, to better understand the own motivations of your heart, and to ask what he's inviting you into in this season of Lent. So would you please stand, and we'll, pl- we'll pray together, and I'll just leave a little space for you to ask that question. Lord, as we embark on this uh, holy season, this journey of Lent, these days set aside for preparation, when we look with you towards the cross, when we look with you towards what our redemption cost, I pray, Lord, that we could hear the summons to this journey as an invitation as an invitation to know you more, to know our own hearts more. And we simply wanna ask you, Lord, what is it that you want for each of us? Lord, what do you want from me this season? Lord, what are you asking me perhaps to give up? What, Lord, are you asking me in terms of prayer? Lord, what are you asking me perhaps in terms of being generous, being generous to the poor, to the least of these? And in that space, Lord, we ask for the grace to know our hearts as you know our hearts, as you look on us with compassion, grace, and love and mercy and that you want to clear out the things in our hearts that keep us from you, that keep us from loving you, and that keep us from loving our neighbors as ourselves. We ask over these 40 days that you would move in power among the people of St. Bart's and in our own hearts, Lord. And we ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen.